This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for another episode of the Arsenal Raw Reaction Show. Joining you every morning at 8am to give you my thoughts, my feelings, my reaction to every single Arsenal fixture. And of course, today you'll be talking back and talking all about Arsenal's 1-0 dominant performance against Leicester City away from home in the Premier League, which of course restored at the time uh, a five-point gap between themselves and Manchester City, which is again being closed to just two after City's own win uh, against Bournemouth. We're going to talk about all about that and plenty of more in today's show uh, with the help of you guys, of course, joining us in the chat box. Good morning to all of you. Hope you're doing good. Hope you're doing well. Olu, good morning to you, to Max Amir, to Matt G, to Amira, Stevie, Steve Stone, Tony, Temi, uh, Carl, Marcus, Mike, good morning to you, Paul, Michael, Vivian, Darren, uh, we've got Conde, we've got uh, Yomi, Ansa, Sir Nicholas, and plenty more of you as well. Um, before we get underway, uh, I just want to send out my thoughts to our good friends and long-term committed listener, Peeny Ween, um, who you may have been uh, missing in the chat box. Unfortunately, he received some very bad news, which he alerted us to yesterday in our Discord server, and so my thoughts are with you, mate, and I hope you're doing well and you know that you've got all the support of the TGT family here. I also want to extend those thoughts to uh, King as well, who also is going through a pretty rough period as well, and let us know about that too in the chat box. So King and Peeny Ween, just know that we are certainly here supporting you as well. Um, so thank you for your committed support, both of you guys, but uh, just know that we've got your back as well and we're here if you need us. Um, let's talk about um, Arsenal's game yesterday. I, of course, was at King Power Stadium yesterday to kind of watch, take in, observe, absorb what was a... I, I called it a very strange win. I thought, I thought it was a very strange game, to be honest. Um, I think that... You know, when you consider how Arsenal have won plenty of games this season, it was a game which struck me as if you looked at the scoreline just off the back of the highlights, you would have thought, how on earth have Arsenal only won by just one goal? It was incredibly dominant. Uh, Arsenal just completely suffocated Leicester from performing really in any way, shape or form. They ended the game with an XG of 0.01, according to XG philosophy. Incredibly low. Um, the only shot they had was that Dewsbury Hall uh, strike from outside the box, which just went just wide. Beyond that, they created a couple of opportunities. Tete was very close to getting on the end of cross, but 
couldn't quite get there. Very, very, um, very, very strange game uh, overall. But it was a very dominant performance that Arsenal should have won by more. And were it not for VAR, we probably would have won by more as well. Uh, We're going to go through all of the uh, finer details in part one. If you've got any questions, save them to part two. Um, But it was, for me, would you describe it as the perfect kind of win in a way that it is? Because you were able to, A, win the game, B, you completely restrict the opponents from doing anything whatsoever, so they just can't. They just they just can't get into the game. They can't do anything, and you are able to completely control everything to do with it. And at no point did we really feel like we were under threat. Um, and so, if you can do that to an opponent, quite like we did at Bournemouth earlier this season, although, yeah, we managed to score a fair few more goals in that game. But in this one, it just felt as though. A win for Arsenal was an inevitability. It was never going to change. It was always going to happen. And it didn't matter what the, the home side did. It was was always going to be that way. But uh, there is plenty more to talk about uh, in this than just saying it was arguably the perfect victory. Gabriel Martinelli, for me, seems like he's back. Um, he had a bit of a dip, uh, if you know what I mean, uh, after kind of the new year. He scored in the game against Brighton. Um, I think he scored... Did he score against West Ham? Yes, I think he might have done. Uh, yes, he did. And it was that low left-footed strike into the bottom left-hand corner. Uh, and he gets those two goals and you're thinking, okay, he's on a bit of a run. And then January hits and it kind of just starts to, to dip a bit. He can't quite get into the games as much. We signed Trossard and there's all these calls for Trossard to start over him. And I'm certainly included in that. And Mikel Arteta has given him a rest last week when he came off the bench and I thought was really impactful. I think that that um, that benching by Arteta has done him the world of good. And then in this game, I thought he came back. Uh, and we really saw a lot of the Martinelli that we love to see, the, the driving runs, the finishing, uh, a right-footed finish across the goalkeeper rather than going at the near post. Um, I thought he was supported by uh, Zinchenko really well, supported by Xhaka really well, and supported by Trossard, of course, really well for the assist as well, which was great. Um, and it does feel as though Martinelli uh, is a, is back for me. I think this guy, I think he's back uh, and finally kind of finding his feet and getting back into the team to his, his, his best level. When he scored and he went down injured, um, <laughs> this kind of really harked back to, I don't know if you remember the game in 2020, against Man City. He'd just come back after his long-term knee injury that had kept him out for, I think, the better part of six months. He had, um, he had a bit of a moment with uh, Zach Steffen. Uh, and in that moment, he went down clutching his knee, thinking he was ridiculously and badly injured again after just recovering from that knee uh, surgery that he had to undergo to, to fix that problem. After he suffered it in training, I think it was, he suffered a knee injury. Um, anyway... In that game against Man City, he he looked as though he'd done it again. And in the same moment here, he almost looked as if he's... Um, I, I put in the blog, I was like, Martinelli looks seriously injured um, and could be out for the rest of the season. Just the way in which he acted, he acted as if he'd done his, his ACL in that moment. Um, and I think actually it was more of the shock. I think there was kind of a, maybe a rush of pain in the area. I think it was Ndidi that, that stepped on him that caused his knee to jar a little bit. And I think that that was um, what ultimately caused him to, I think, panic and then think that he'd badly injured himself. And in reality, 
it wasn't actually as bad um, as it was. So there you go. Um, I can see a few of you in the chat box saying that you're not thinking it was his best performance. For me, it's more about the improvement. I'm not saying this is the best version of Martinelli we've ever seen. That's not what I'm saying at all. I just think we're starting to see him get back to his best, do things better in the final third, make better decisions. Yes, it's not perfect. Yes, it's not the best that we've ever seen from him, but I, we need to see more of some of the things that he was doing. Uh, and that's what I liked uh, about his performances, that we're starting to see more from him. Uh, and that's what you want and what you need going into the rest of the season. I thought William Saliba, again, similar to Martinelli, is actually starting to find his best form as well. Uh, some really composed pieces of play. It's funny because if you, I, I talked about this game having a kind of a comparison to the Bournemouth match earlier in the season. And in that game, Saliba scored that great goal into the top right-hand corner. And actually, in this game, despite the fact that he wasn't necessarily tested, uh, kind of having to put in like last-ditch tackles and things like that, I thought that Saliba's composure was back. I thought the way in which he kind of measured the runs and moved into the side areas and kind of blocked off players, I thought it was really, really good. Um, and started to see the consistency back and the confidence back in Saliba's game. But if we're going to talk about defenders, for me, Gabriel has got to be the best centre-back in the league right now. I, I'm, I have no, no issue in saying that I think that Gabriel is the best centre-back in the league at this moment in time because he has just been so consistently brilliant and strong and solid and yes I think that the Man City game was a dip was was a bit of a highlight of where the pressures got to him but that is a blip on what has been without a doubt a sublime 2023 so far he's just he's so imposing and so composed and so intimidating to forwards now that it's, it's hardly like they even they give up before they even get into the race with Gabriel. He's just, his decision-making is is there. There was a moment in the first half where he chested the ball out of play and the Arsenal fans kind of groaned a bit because they didn't necessarily need to do it. But I was thinking, and Kaya pointed out next to me, it was like, if you think back to the Man City game, that's the moment there where Tommy Asu just tries a silly back pass and suddenly you're 1-0 down. And sometimes it takes a little bit of a, a maturity to go, you know, I'm just going to put this ball out of play because we can defend a throw much better than me messing up a back pass. So I think his decision-making has actually got a lot better, um, but it's more his physicality that we are really benefiting from. Uh, he's so imposing. He outstrengths pretty much every single forward that he comes up against. And uh, he's he's going to be up there for player of the season, I think, if we get to the end of the campaign. And he, com- he continues with this vein of form because without a doubt, he is going to be up there with our top, top performers of the season um, across the entire campaign. Yes, he was a little bit slow at the start and made a few mistakes, but has grown as the season has gone on. And I think has maybe even overtaken Saliba at this point because he's been fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Um, Martin Odegaard, uh, his gesture to hand Alexander Zinchenko the, the armband to commemorate the one-year anniversary of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Brilliant gesture, brilliant maturity, a real sign again of that team dynamic, that team spirit. And more so pointing out, you know, when we talked about El Nenny's contract and kind of the importance of making the right decisions and the class decisions of this club that kind of generate a feel-good factor, that generate a positive attitude around the group. It's decisions like this that make you proud to be Arsenal fans. Um, and we spoke to Martin Odegaard after the game. Uh, you'll see quotes coming out about that later on this morning. And uh, it was revealed before the game came out that... Uh, 
Odegaard was the guy that that gave uh, the decision to to give uh, Zinchenko the the armband, and yeah, great, great um, gesture. I'm really, really um, happy to see that happen. And I thought Zinchenko had a great game again. You know, there was question marks around whether or not he had dipped in his own form a little bit. Um, and whether or not we could see something more um, than what we'd ultimately seen from him in the start of the season where he was just so influential. But yeah, Zinchenko really very much improving and getting into a position where I think Tierney's role is just going to continue to be talked about as as not expendable, but kind of coming to an end, if you like. Um, I want to talk about Jorginho. (laughs) Jorginho is, is... I just there's there's little kind of I don't want to come across too smug and I know for me that's hard um but when you look at like when you consider that Jorginho came in in the January transfer window and all of the the focus was on Caicedo all of the focus was on Anana all of the focus was on um Arsenal signing a world-class midfielder or spending a lot of money on a midfielder that when we signed Jorginho there was a disappointment. I was disappointed. I think a lot of people were underwhelmed. Maybe disappointment is too strong of a word to describe this. But when I consider the fact that uh, we were being talked about with these mega money moves and players like Caicedo, the excitement, and then Jorginho comes in, and all of a sudden your immediate reaction is, oh, 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 we're going down this route again. We're going down the route of the Chelsea player again. Is this a step backwards? Are we looking... At making some of the mistakes we've made in the past. Um, and for me, I, I'm i so glad that the night before deadline day, I just thought, you know what? I'm not going to lose my head about this. I'm just going to sleep on it. I'm just going to sleep on the Jorginho idea for a second and then just kind of reflect on it in the morning. And when we did our deadline day shows and we did the phone-in show around Jorginho, and I tried to question some of the people that were really criticising the decision to sign Jorginho. Um, I'm glad that we had that conversation and that pause because he isn't William. He isn't Czech. He isn't David Luiz. And I liked David Luiz, to be fair. Maybe it does does David Luiz a disservice. But um, I think that with Jorginho, what we've seen is a player come in and give an immediate impact at a Premier League level that we have been lacking behind Thomas Partey in the sixth role for some time. His... Um, I think I've got the stats somewhere here from his game. Uh, let me just try and find it. I put a piece out this morning on the winners and losers from the match. Um, so just find these stats for you. Here they are. Um, so yeah, most passes completed, 68. Possession won the most times, 10. And the most tackles made with three. Um, he made a number of, he made interceptions. He turned the ball over. Uh, and of course, if you remember that amazing pass to Saka as well, <laughs> that amazing pass to kind of sack it down the right wing um, that we really should have got a, probably a better chance from. Um, he is really, I, I just, I, I love the whole dynamic around the humbling of, of us as Arsenal fans that sometimes we need to take a, sit, a bit of a step, step, uh, step back, sit down um, and appreciate what the club have, have done with a sensible move in the market. And sometimes, yes, it's all exciting. It's all fun to spend £70 million on a young, exciting talent. Um, but actually, in the context of a season where you need experience and you need guarantees, 
spending 10 million quid on an 18-month contract for a player as good as Jorginho to come in means that you don't have to rush Thomas Partey back. For me, I'd start Thomas Partey on Wednesday just to give that rotation and freshness to the midfield. But Jorginho can happily come back in for the game against Bournemouth. I I would have no issue with that whatsoever. I think he's been great. I think he's been really, really good. And what I found interesting also in the, in the second half is when we took off Erdegaard and brought on Partey to see Xhaka, Partey and Jorginho play in midfield. It was an option that I'd not even considered as kind of a second half substitution when we want to kind of lock the midfield a bit more. That was a really interesting one. Um, so yeah, that that's one to look out for in the future. Um, Jorginho, Xhaka, Partey. And I tell you what, Partey running down the right flank and crossing the ball in for Nketiah in the second half, very unlucky that that cross didn't reach the target because it was absolutely spot on. And I think it was Suter did well to get on the end of that pass in the end as well. Mikel Arteta, just to round off the, the, the footballing aspect before we take a quick look at VAR. I thought that I thought that Arteta's just kind of got things spot on at this point. You know, the, the decision to drop Nketiah, I know dropping is quite harsh, but bring in Trossard, keep that fresh, keep it moving, keep it um, alive um, so that we can go into that game against Everton on Wednesday, knowing that you can play Nketiah with a more fresh feel about his game. The fans were fantastic um, and the, I loved the chance at the end towards Arteta and his celebration with the supporters as well. He's just managed to, to galvanise this group. It's, it's impossible really to talk about Arteta without doing an entire podcast on what he's done and what he's changed and what he's done to this squad and how he's done that with the market and done it with the young players, done it with improving players like Xhaka and Gabriel um, and taking them to a different level getting more out of William Saliba, um, bringing in a player like Jorginho and seeing what we see from him. You run out of superlatives. You really run out of superlatives to describe what Arteta has done to this group and what he's doing to this team. Um, And I'm so, so happy that he's our manager. And I'm so, so happy that the club didn't do what so many of us wanted to do back after that Europa League final because we might not be here if they did. Um, Let's talk about VAR. I don't really want to, but... uh, I know I'd be doing you a disservice if I didn't talk about VAR. The when when Trossard scored that goal, no one, no one thought that it was going to get ruled out. No one in the ground thought it was going to get ruled out. And then obviously there's this pause and there's this wait. And then, you know, I'd already written like massive big hit, great goal in the in the blog. And and then when it went to the purple screen and we're like, why? And we were all trying to look for for what was being shown in the video. And eventually we saw that Ben White was holding Danny Ward's hand. Now, is this a foul? If I try and take my Arsenal hat off for just a second, it's arguable that he is infringing the goalkeeper's ability to clear the ball. But it just feels so soft. And then I go on to social media, which is always a mistake when there's ever a VAR, because you then see examples of, of when this hasn't happened. And this example was was brought to me uh, when Douglas Louise scored that direct corner and Ramsdale was being held off um, in the box and when I was unable to, to clear the ball. And when I saw this, I was just like, oh, it's just a lack of consistency in the officiating again, letting Arsenal down. Um, and... If you're if you're going to allow stuff like this, the infringement on the goalkeeper, Danny Ward's got to be stronger. 
and like if you're going to allow this and you're going to say that goalkeepers have got to be stronger in these scenarios then you've got to, you've got to apply it in the same scenario yesterday with Ben White um it's really a, it's really uh it's a disservice to the premier league how poor the officiating is and how poor the use of var is um if you're going to rule out one you've got to rule out both if you're not going to rule out one you don't rule out both it's as simple as that and then the other one, as we all know, was uh, Bikaya Saka, uh, Harry Sousa, rugby tackling him to the ground in the box and nothing being given. This is just laughable. It's just laughable <laughs> how this isn't given as a penalty. Because the ball, I mean, Saka would be able to go for the ball if it wasn't for Harry Sousa not going for the ball and just grappling him to the floor. It's, it's a blatant penalty. And that's if this ends nil-nil, you know, if this ends in a situation where Arsenal drop points, it would be this game and the Brentford game and the Man United game that Arsenal find themselves getting an apology from PGMOL again. Like, one one mistake in a season which maybe costs you points is unforgivable, but I, I might be able to overlook it if our season goes fine. But even if our season goes well, to go back and look over the season and look at three incidents, 20, what, 23, four games into the season now, what are we? Uh, is it 24 games or into the season now? Yeah, 24 games. And we've got 25 on, on Wednesday. To be 24 games into a season, two-thirds of the way through a campaign, and to have three instances where the refereeing authorities should, because it should be, a, there should be an apology for this, have to apologise to a team for making mistakes is unforgivable. If Arsenal win the league this season, it is in spite of VAR. And you should never have a you should never have a league, you should never have a competition where whoever wins it is doing it in spite of those that are officiating the games with the benefit of a video to not only back up the the on-field decisions but to make sure that all of the correct decisions are made. It's embarrassing. It's an embarrassing institution is, is the officiating in this country. There's no accountability. There's no recompense whatsoever. And as I said after the Lee Mason incident, getting rid of Lee Mason papers over the cracks. It papers over the cracks. I don't want to see people getting sacked. I want to see people getting demoted. I want to see people getting held down to other divisions. I want to see referees held accountable for their decisions with league tables, with promotion and relegation to the championship, to League One, to League Two, and back up again, and more referees given opportunities to to officiate at the top level because this has to stop. This has to stop. Um, it's It's mad. It's mad. Um, anyway, uh, I think, I'm pretty sure, that's all of my ranting uh, for VAR over at this point. But yes, that's completes part one. We're going to move to part two now and tackle some of your questions in the chat box right after this. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Okay, uh, let's jump into the chat box and see what you guys are saying. Um, let's go to um, Andy Braithwaite. says, job done. I was very, very concerned. The normal Arsenal collapse uh, we have been used to seeing over these last 20 years might have been forgiving, uh, rather beginning. Um, yeah, me too, Andy. Uh, there was always that fear, isn't there? All that PTSD that we've got of previous seasons about how we might handle these situations, but we ultimately handled it. Absolutely brilliantly. Um, Kev says, I can categorically confirm if these incidents happen to City or United or any other team chasing for the title in the past 20 years, they work in their favour, but not for us. Uh, Maya says, uh, why was there no line drawn when Saka was offside? Martinelli looked offside, but not showing the line is like, what the hell is going on? I think they probably did the lines behind the scenes. You know, I, they probably did draw the lines but they just didn't show it when it was being kind of taught. We had the the screens in front of us at, at the King Power Stadium and it didn't. we didn't get any indication that they were looking at the lines. Um, if they did, they just didn't show it on the screens and they've checked that elsewhere, clearly. Uh, I hope they've checked it, but who knows? They forget to draw lines, you know, these officials. We know that. We've got evidence of that. So there you go. Um, Sean says, Tom, why do you think Arsenal plays so well away from home? We've accrued 31 points from 13 away games in the league this season. Uh, comedically, the same amount of points Chelsea have for their entire season. <laughs> That's a great start. Um, it's, a, it's a good question. Obviously, we have dropped points away from home. Um, uh, drawing at Southampton, um, losing at Everton. And I was at those games and it was very funny. <laughs> but uh, look, we, we ultimately, I think, are just a side that no longer are intimidated by the atmospheres of other grounds. We go out and play our own game. Our away fans make any stadium feel as though you're at home anyway. The away fans yesterday were unbelievably good. Um, I know a fair few people who travelled up for the game um, and and all of the people involved in creating that, that atmosphere uh, during the fixture are just brilliant. I met a fair few fans after the game as well, actually. Um, and had a very nice chat with everybody that um, came up and said hello. Uh, it's great to see people who watch the show and listen to the channel. Um, and uh, yeah, everyone part of that that crowd was fantastic. Uh, and honestly, I was so disappointed by Leicester's atmosphere. I mean, I've been to Leicester before. Uh, it's not. It's been a fair few years since I've been, but I've sat in the away end at, at Leicester before, and it was in a season uh, I went up to watch a game. Uh, Charlton were playing, and my missus family dragged me up uh, to watch Charlton play Leicester in the season that they got promoted to the Premier League. And that year, as you'd imagine, they're winning loads of games and they're, they're fighting for promotion. The atmosphere was was brilliant at the King Power, but you fast forward to now, it was dead. It was completely dead. It was so quiet in there. And the biggest noise throughout the entire game was to basically say that Arsenal are always cheating, apparently, which when you've got this VAR going on at the moment is, is rather ironic. Uh, Omar says, I just want to congratulate you for the away curse finally ending. Back-to-back away wins now with you in attendance, so you are now free to go on the road for the rest of the season. Thanks, Omar. I appreciate that. 
<laughs> it never existed. I don't know what you guys were trying to invent. There was no away curse. It wasn't a thing. Um, I just ha- I just go to all the away games, pretty much, nearly all of them anyway. And so oh, they're always going to lose some games. <laughs> it was always going to happen at some point. Um, Paul says, we can't keep playing teams and the officials as well. The PGMOL are a joke. The refs and VR officials should be made to give post-match interviews to explain their decisions. Or is that simply too simple of a technique? Um, Bulgarian Guna says the white, uh, the Ben White foul just shows the officials can be pedantic when they want to. Uh, which is, you know, I, I think when it comes to claiming they're pedantic is is almost a dead cert. You know, it seems that they overcheck things at times, especially in regards to Arsenal. They're just constantly trying to find some way, somehow, how can we rule this goal out? That's certainly how it feels at times. Uh, Gavin says, Everton at home for the game in hand. Can we pull ahead on the fr- uh, at the top of the table? I certainly think that we can. I think they're motivated. Mark Levy was saying after the game that they're motivated to try and obviously go and and get that that buffer back, that five-point lead that they, they need. Man City were very good against Bournemouth, and obviously we played Bournemouth. Bournemouth were terrible, um, absolutely terrible, and we got to hope that they're as terrible as they are in the next two games. You know, that's two away wins, right, in our last two games, which really does kind of make up for the the disappointments against Brentford's and uh, and Man City. But now our, our fixtures are a home game, two home games in a row. We've got Everton and Bournemouth in the space of, what, seven days, six days? Um, I think seven days uh, from now. But obviously we've got a space of Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Four days gap between two fixtures. We're going to have to rotate. We're going to have to do our best to try and get the result that we need in both of those games. And then, of course, we've got the the Europa League back um, the following week when we go to Lisbon to play sporting uh, on Thursday, 9th of March. And then we've got an away trip to Fulham, which is not an easy one. However, Wolves, who have not had the best of seasons, did go to Fulham and I thought played a very good game. But that's going to be a very interesting fixture indeed going to Craven Cottage. Then we have Crystal Palace at home and then we have Leeds at home. The next four of five league games are all at home. And we have to pick up, in my opinion, we need to be trying to aim to pick up maximum points really I mean I'd take if you offered me 13 points from those five games I'd probably take it but I think that we absolutely can win the next five games and and having four of them at home is is going to be big especially going into that game at Anfield which is the sixth game on this list um Byron says how many points do you think we would need to finish on this season to claim the title and how sweet would it be if we win despite all of the VAR nonsense as well I get asked this question a lot we've got how many games left 14 so there's a maximum of 40, uh, 42, 42, yes, 42 points left. So we can end the season on 99 points. Um, I think we're going to need, I think we're going to need about 88. I think we might need 88 if we're going to, and I know that's lower than the previous title winners like Man City. I think one it last is with 93, but they, they only lost three games uh, all season. They've already lost four this season. Um, so I don't think they'd get as high as 93. Um, if you go back to 2021, they won the league with 86 points and they lost six games and drew five. Um, this season, they've lost four and drawn four. So if they drop points in, well, uh, if they drop points in three more games, 
they can't get higher than that 86 points that they managed to win the title with in uh, 2021. So I think this season we're probably going to need 88. I think 88 is probably what we're going to need to get to win the title. But I might be wrong. City have got, uh, I think I've got a fairly favourable run, to be fair, to the end of the season. But I didn't expect them to drop points against Forest. If we can go there and, and avoid defeat, I think that's going to be massive. I think we probably have to go to go to City and avoid defeat in that game if we want to win the title this season. But uh, yeah, and we've also obviously got some games against Chelsea at, at, uh, at home. We've got a game against Anfield. We've got to go to Newcastle. So there's some tough games, um, that's for sure. But there's plenty that we can still uh, win. And we've got some more tough games, as I say, like Fulham away is not easy. Brighton at home we've got coming up as well, which they'll be motivated to get a, a result against us too. So, yeah, it's far from over. But I think 88 points might do it. Um, let's scroll down the chat a bit more and then get some more questions in. Uh, Kev says, if they ask the ref to look at the foul by Ben Wyatt, why don't they at least ask him to decide on the foul for Saka? I agree. I think if you're going to send the referee to go have a look at the monitor for the foul by foul by White, you've got to ask the referee to go and look at the, the, the Saka and, and Suter incident. Surely. Surely. Um, Sammy says, Tom, how critical should we be on Edu for the Leno deal? We praise him for various other things, but a goalkeeper has faced 43 XG and conceded 32, went for just 3 million. Obviously, there's a lot of add-ons included that could see that deal rise closer to, to 10 million, um, as far as my understanding is of that deal. Um, but yeah, I, I think we could have got a lot more money for Leno than that. I think it's a ridiculously low figure. Um, but we also managed to get uh, what is looking to be a very, very good goalkeeper in Ramsdale for a good fee. You think about what we paid for Zinchenko, Jesus for just over 40 million, um, Gabriel for for 25, Saliba was before uh, Edu, I think, just before Edu's time, to be fair. But Tommy Asu for 20. Um, you consider what we've done. I mean, Trossard for 27 million. <laughs> Guy in his prime. Jorginho for 10. I mean, you look at more deals. Yes, selling is the area of Edu that we need to be uh, more kind of, what's the word I'm looking for? We need to scrutinise his selling and the capacity of us to sell players well. And that's going to come this summer. But if you're talking about the wider context of how we spend money, I think we've got players in for a very, very good figure uh, and to build the team that we've got today that challenges for the title. Uh, let's go to uh, Dan. Says, Patino had a brilliant performance at karaoke on the night out. Gutting he didn't come on. <laughs> yeah, a friend of mine, uh, Dan George, went to uh, watch the game. I think probably to purely have a look at Patino. And when he didn't come off the bench, very, very frustrating indeed. <laughs> very frustrating indeed. Um, Maximir says, hi, Tom. Time and time again, we are being robbed uh, by these refs and VAR. Totally no consistency. As fans, what can we do to raise our voice against this injustice? Almost looks like uh, they're trying to derail us. I, what, what can we do is we can just continue to talk about it, continue to highlight it, continue to ask Arteta about it in press conferences when we need to um, keep the pressure on and hopefully the system and the officials improve and get better. I don't have much hope that that's going to happen, but that's what we need to do. Um, thank you to the other thousand of you that are tuning in for this morning's show. We're going to be taking some more of your questions, so don't go anywhere. Do drop a like, though, on the video. It really does help us out here uh, and subscribe as we try and make our way towards 46,000 subs uh, as well. Uh, Lynn says, VAR did exactly the same as they did when we played Man United, decided to get involved in one decision and let all the other poor decisions 
go by the boards. Absolutely. Anza says, hi, Tom. Do you, did you see Declan Rice as more of a Xhaka competition for next season, given that we now have Partey and Jorginho in the team? Potentially, yes. Um, and I think Rice can play either six or eight. I think there are eights out there that maybe give you more of a specialised um, set of skills for that position than what the Rice does. But I think Rice can play in either role, which is always nice. To kind of have those players that can play in multiple positions. Um, Marcus says, what are Canton's away stats for this season? I think I'm now on, what, five wins, uh, five wins, one draw. Have we drawn more than the Southampton game away from home? I'm trying to think if we have. I think it's just the one. I might be, I might be lying to myself. I think it's five wins, one draw, three losses. I've seen the Man City loss, the Everton loss, and the Man United loss. So I think it's 5-1-3 is my records at the moment. That I think that's where we're at. Um, I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure we're on 5-1-3. So the wins so far are, if I go on the results of this season. Um, I was there for the Villa game. I was there for obviously the Leicester game yesterday. I was there for the Brighton game. I was there for the Oxford game. Um, I was there for the Leeds. Have I said Leeds already? I don't think I've said Leeds. Um Anyone else? Anyone else have I seen? Maybe I wasn't there for Bournemouth or Palace. So, yes, five. I think it's five. Um, so, there you go. Not bad. We're on a positive. We're on a positive for this one. Uh, three losses. Definitely cursed, says Raul. Look, I can't help. You're going to lose games. You're going to lose games. It's going to happen. I'm sorry. I can't help it. I'm not going to Lisbon if that helps you. Um, but I. I'm kind of jealous of Kai. I'm not going to lie. Lisbon's a very, very nice place. I've been before. It's very nice indeed. Uh, Ali says, Ornstein recently said on NBC that we could be in for a centre forward. I think likely someone like Colo Moani. I believe we're desperate for a devastation in the final third. Who you fancy? Yeah, I like Colo Moani uh, as a player, as, a, as an example of, of that. I think maybe Arsenal are looking to try and find someone more physically imposing to add to the forward line to kind of bring in that additional kind of uh, option and variation. And as you mentioned, Colin Moani is that, uh, depending on what goes on around the betting instant uh, allegations uh, regarding Ivan Tony, maybe he's someone that Arsenal look to. As I've said before, I'm not his biggest fan, but uh, certainly he's a, he's a very, very good footballer in isolation. So yeah, I think those types of strikers maybe we'll be looking at uh, in the near future to try and add something different to the team. Uh, Paul says, hi, Tom. Brilliant show. Jorginho and Trossard have been perfect for this time of season. I just don't think that Mudrik or Caicedo would have brought what the latter two have done so far. And that is experience, isn't it? It's immediate impact. I mean, Jorginho has been far better um, than we ever could have expected. Trossard's been doing better than, than Mudrik has. So, yes, I think that we are very, very happy with, with what we've done uh, at the moment. That's for sure. Um. I think we might be coming to an end of this morning's show with that because uh, I can feel like my voice is, is starting to go <laughs> as well. <clears throat> I want to tell you a quick funny story, though. <clears throat> from the press box yesterday, no, from the press lounge yesterday. I was sitting in the press lounge. Obviously, when you go into the stadiums as press, you um, there's like a little area for just the press, the people that are doing TV, the people that are doing the uh, uh, like the blogs and the writing and, and where we sit. And uh, I spotted Alan Smith in there. And obviously, we've done a couple of shows here on the channel with Alan Smith. And so I went over to say hello and just had a quick chat. Um, made the joke, of course, about the fact that he's it's the annual trip for him to make, commentating on Leicester Arsenal, because he used to play for both teams. Um, and uh, as I was chatting to him, 
I was standing, I was standing in front of a chair uh, on his table. And as I was uh, having this conversation, I get a little tap on the shoulder. Um, and I turn around and someone says, sorry, is this, is this chair being used? The one I was standing by when I was chatting to, to Smudge. And uh, I turn around and Freddie Jumberg's the man asking me if that chair is being used. I was like, uh, no, no, it's, take it all. Take everything I have. It's all yours, mate. <laughs> so uh, that was, a, <clears throat> that was a, a fun instance that happened uh, yesterday. And uh, I think Freddie was probably doing... I don't know who he was working for, but he was doing TV, I think, for somebody um, and presenting. So that was um, that was a great moment. Um, I hadn't met Freddie before in the flesh, so that was uh, that was great. And uh, there was something else as well. Oh, I was going to tell you something else that happened. What was I going to tell you? Um, oh, I, I can't because it's actually embargoed until 10. But... Uh, um, do look out on my Twitter feed at 10 a.m. because uh, the interview that I did in the mix zone with the other um, Arsenal beat guys will be out and you'll get some quotes from one of the Arsenal players out at 10 a.m. this morning. So make sure that you go and uh, set your alarms for 10 and check out my Tom Cantor media Twitter feed for that and all the other quotes from all the other journalists as well from after the game as well so yeah that was great oh and uh and and edu was actually uh at the game yesterday and, and came and said hello to all the journalists in the mix zone as well yesterday which was nice seems like a very uh friendly chap so yeah there was a lot of uh a lot of former invincible things going on yesterday which was great but uh there you go um it's a small story out of the way from you in the press box i'd like to give you a little bit of a look behind the curtain so there you go um thank you everybody for listening Really, really appreciate your time as always. Do drop a like on the video and subscribe to the channel if you are indeed new around here with those notifications turned on so you never miss a show. Have a fantastic day and weekend. Try to enjoy yourself now. Arsenal have won. You can relax, you can chill. Um, and also, if you've enjoyed the show uh, and you've got anything and any thoughts on today's show, please do leave your comments down in the comments section below. Let me know who you'd get starstruck by if they asked to steal a chair away from you. That's what I want to know in the comment section. Who would leave you a little bit speechless? Anyway, thank you guys for listening. Always appreciate your time. Have a great day, great evening, great morning, wherever you happen to be in the world. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your delivery. You in? At participating restaurants 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. Talk sport. Powered by fans.